Good morning. I'm Wimala, and today is Thursday, June 30th. So tomorrow's the first. Monday is the fourth. So it's going to be a holiday weekend this weekend, I assume. And I hope you're ready for it and have safe plans. If you're traveling or if you're on the highways, be careful, and but enjoy yourself. And uh, stay cool. Stay hydrated and stay cool. So today I was I was going to read from this beautiful book by Thich Nhat Hanh. Uh, I've read a little bit from it before, How to Live When a Loved One Dies, which is really a beautiful book. And it's, you know, the beautiful writing of Thich Nhat Hanh. It's things, I think, gathered together from different books of his. Um, but today, I found a book in my library, and it's called The Five Invitations, and it's by Frank Ostaseski. And he is uh, someone who really was very uh, foundational for the beginning of the, the uh, Zen uh, end-of-life or hospice care that now there are so many people doing, and particularly in Zen, there are many hospices and places where, uh, in New York, I know, and in Santa Fe, uh, it's it's a big part of the, the teachings and the uh, courses that people can take, learning how to be with people at the end of life. So this book is called The Five Invitations, Discovering What Death Can Teach Us About Living Fully. And I've just started reading this book. I didn't realize, I've had this book for a long time and I hadn't realized that it was on this subject that I've been delving into uh, lately, mostly since my mom died. Um, and I found myself in an anxious state and needed to work with that. So I found some wonderful books and sometimes it's hard to know which one to read from or which one to keep to read in to read first for myself. But this one is the five steps. That's an interesting story with those because he had let's see, I want to find his he gives an introduction about how he got into as a Zen practitioner, but how he got into end of life, working with people at end of life, in end of life care. But he, there's a story about, I'll, I'll read today just the uh, first part of the introduction in this book, Five Steps the Five Invitations, Discovering What Death Can Teach Us About Living Fully. So, I'll read a little bit about how he came to write these. I'm looking for the right place to start reading. <laughs> Lessons from death are available to all those who choose to move toward it, 
I have witnessed a heart opening occurring in not only people near death, but also their caregivers. They found a depth of love within themselves that they didn't know they had access to. They discovered a profound trust in the universe and the reliable goodness of humanity. Okay, let me get my sound here. I'm sorry, I had to make an adjustment. They found a depth of love within themselves that they didn't know they had access to. They discovered these are these are in the uh, the heart opening happening not only in people near death but also their caregivers. They found a depth of love within themselves that they didn't know they had access to. They discovered a profound trust in the universe and the reliable goodness of humanity that never abandoned them, regardless of the suffering they encountered. If that possibility exists at the time of dying, it exists here and now. The exploration of that potential is what we will dive into together here. The innate capacity for love, trust, forgiveness, and peace that lives in each of us. This book is about reminding us what we already know, something the great religions try to exemplify, but which often gets lost in translation. Death is much more than a medical event. It is a time of growth, a process of transformation. Death opens us to the deepest dimensions of our humanity. Death awakens presence and intimacy with ourselves and all that is alive. The great spiritual and religious traditions have any number of names for the unnameable. The Absolute, God, Buddha Nature, True Self, all these names are too small. In fact, all names are too small. They are fingers pointing at the moon. I invite you to translate the terms I use in whatever way helps you connect with what you know and trust most in your heart of hearts. I will use a simple term being to point at that which is deeper and more expansive than our personalities. At the heart of all spiritual teaching is the understanding that this being is our most fundamental and benevolent nature. Our normal sense of self, our usual way of experiencing life, is learned. The conditioning that occurs as we grow and develop can obscure our innate goodness. Being has certain attributes or essential qualities that live as potentials within each of us. These qualities help us to mature, to become more functional and productive. They fill out our humanity and add a richness, beauty, and capacity to our lives. These pure qualities include love, compassion, strength, peace, clarity, contentment, humility, and equanimity, to name just a few. Through practice such as contemplation and meditation, we can quiet our minds, hearts, and bodies 
and as a result, our ability to sense our experience becomes subtler and more penetrating. In the discovered stillness, we are able to perceive the presence of these innate qualities. They are more than emotional states, though we may feel them at first as emotions. It might be more helpful to think of them as our inner guidance system, which can lead us to a greater sense of well-being. These aspects of our essential nature are as inseparable from being as wetness is from water. Said another way, we already have everything we need for this journey. It all exists within us. We don't need to be someone special to access our innate qualities and utilize them in the service of greater freedom and transformation. I first wrote the five invitations down on the back of a cocktail napkin at 30,000 feet somewhere over Kansas. I was traveling to join other critical thinkers on the campus of Princeton University to contribute to a six-hour documentary about dying in America called On Our Own Terms. The room would be filled with the country's leading healthcare experts, advocates for physician-assisted death, proponents for Medicare policy changes, and a group of hard-nosed journalists. There would be no desire for Buddhist rhetoric. Bill Moyers, the producer of the documentary, pulled me aside and asked if I could speak to the heart of companioning the dying. When the time came for me to speak, I pulled out the cocktail napkin on which I had scribbled during the flight. Number one, don't wait. Number two, welcome everything, push away nothing. Three, bring your whole self to the experience. Four, find a place of rest in the middle of things. And five, cultivate don't know mind. The five invitations are my attempt to honor the lessons I have learned sitting beside, sitting bedside with so many dying patients. They are five mutually supportive principles permeated with love. They have served me as reliable guides for coping with death. And as it turns out, they are equally relevant guides to living a life of integrity. They can be applied just as aptly to people dealing with all sorts of transitions and crises, from a move to a new city, to the forming or releasing of an intimate relationship, to getting used to living without your children at home. I think of these as five bottomless practices that can be continually explored and deepened. They have little value as theories. To be, understand, under, to be understood, they have to be lived into and realized through action. As invitation, an invitation is a request to participate in or attend a particular event. The event is your life. And this book is an invitation for you to be fully present for every aspect of it. So I'm going to read just a little bit. I, I'll read just the first uh, page of the 
on the first invitation, don't wait. Whatever we have done with our lives makes us what we are when we die, and everything, absolutely everything, counts. And that's from Sogyal Rinpoche. Jack had been a heroin addict for 15 years, living out of his car. Thinking he had a chest cold one day, he went to the emergency room at San Francisco General Hospital. He was diagnosed with lung cancer. Three days later, he moved into Zen Hospice Project. He never went back to his car. Jack kept a journal, which he occasionally shared with me and other volunteers. He wrote, and this is from Jack's journal, Over the years, I've put things off. I figured there was always plenty of time later on. At least I've managed to do one major project. I finished that training to be a motorcycle mechanic. Now they tell me I got less than six months. I'm going to fool them. I'm going to make it longer than that. Ah, who am I kidding? To tell the truth, I'm scared, angry, tired, and confused. I'm only 45 years old, and I feel like I'm 145. I have so much that I want to do, and now there isn't even time to sleep. When people are dying, it is easy for them to recognize that every minute, every breath counts. But the truth is, death is always with us, integral to life itself. Everything is constantly changing. Nothing is permanent. This idea can both frighten and inspire us. And if we listen closely, the message we hear is, don't wait. The problem with the word patience, said Zen master Suzuki Roshi, is that it implies we are waiting for something to get better. We are waiting for something good that will come. A more accurate word for this quality is constancy. A capacity to be with what is true moment after moment. Embracing the truth that all things inevitably must end encourages us not to wait in order to begin living each moment in a manner that is deeply engaged. We stop wasting our lives on meaningless activities. We, were, we learn to not hold our options, our desires, or even our own identities so tightly. Instead of pinning our hopes on a better future, we focus on the present and being grateful for what we have in front of us right now. We say, I love you more often because we realize the importance of human connection. We become kinder, more compassionate, and more forgiving. Don't wait is a pathway to fulfillment and an antidote to regret. So that's just a little first couple of pages about the list and his five invitations. So I won't read this whole book, but I'll definitely read a little bit from each of the sections on each invitation because I think they're really good. They're very simple. So I'll read them to you once more. Don't wait. Welcome everything. Push away nothing. 
Bring your whole self to the experience. Find a place of rest in the middle of things. Cultivate don't know mind. So, I think this is a kind of a treasure of a book that I found on my bookcase. I'd like to, uh, before we sit, and we'll sit today after that, we have some time to sit, but I want to read the um, loving-kindness practice for Ukraine. So this is the intention that we can all set every day and it helps us to keep our, I think this helps us to feel more engaged in the world we're connected to when we have this intention. And it's a reminder of uh, everything I read and uh, think about seems to remind me of how even when we're complaining the most about our country and the ele- and the elections or the the uh, Supreme Court decisions, we are still not suffering the way so many other parts of the world are. Uh, I'm not saying that that can't come someday, that that's not, that that might be part of our, part of the future down the road. But right now, I think we all know that living in the, in the middle of a war where everything is being literally blown away from around you, um, or, uh, the conditions of uh, the terrible recession and economic, just uh, the bottom falling out in countries like Sri Lanka and hunger and starvation and other countries that is the way people just exist all the time. So I think having this intention for Ukraine and for practicing loving kindness is definitely a way to help us get out of ourselves we develop that love for ourselves, which is healing for us, and it's very purifying for us, but we're also then moving out, which I think we need to remember to do. So this is the intention, loving kindness, peace in Ukraine. Our intention is that peace in Ukraine be immediately, completely, and permanently restored in that country with no further loss of life, and that the country maintain its sovereignty as an independent, democratic nation. And remember at 11 o'clock Central Time is when people all over are, uh, wherever they are, they take a a minute, less than a minute to, to have that intention, just have it in your heart, and you'll be connected. You can feel your, you can feel a connection then with all those other people sharing the same intention. So why don't we practice loving kindness today? And uh, with the reading I had today, I'm especially, especially it's, it's 
leading my thoughts to our friend Nancy May, who's uh, in, who is in home hospice now with her dear friends and yoga students. And, um, friends she's had for a long time, long times, and her family, and she's in the process of leaving us. And uh, everything I pick up seems to remind me of her and her, her beautiful life and how many people have been touched by it. So, just become comfortable. Let yourself be in a posture that uh, isn't painful to your body. So if you need to have props to get your back to feel straighter, or if you need to be certainly down on the floor on your back, uh, if you're walking, it's fine. Every, all of this is fine. The important thing about our posture is that it just allows us to be wake awake and doesn't encourage us to be drowsy. So if we lift our spine up, you know, we if we're sitting or in any other posture, if we lift that spine up or stretch it out, I think it, it adds to that. It opens our lungs up. It allows our natural breath to go deeper. Uh, we can also roll our shoulders back. And I love something that Lee Brasington, who uh, I was listening to over the weekend, teach. When he does loving kindness, he'll say, remember, you know, I want to be happy. So we, as we began by sending ourselves those blessings to be happy, to be truly happy, even to find out what true happiness is to be contented. So these are the blessings. And he shortens it, uh, he shortens it down to, here's how he does his loving kindness practice. I think you'll, you might want to do this whenever you can. May I be happy because I know I want to be happy, happy. I want happiness. So may I be happy. And may a loved one, I know that loved one wants to be happy. So may my loved one be happy and know true happiness. And because I know I want happiness, now also let this, a stranger I meet today or have already met, let that stranger be happy and no true happiness. Now we can let even our difficult person, if we know we want to be happy, we can also send blessings to our difficult person we know they want to be happy too. May they know true happiness.
and then we can just, we're right there with all beings. Now may all beings, human and non-human, visible and invisible, may all beings be happy. May they know true happiness. May they be free from suffering and the conditions that lead to suffering. May they be free from fear and worry and anxiety, free from hunger and thirst and the extremes of the weather. May all beings be able to care for themselves or be lovingly cared for by others. And may all beings live in peace and know true happiness. Now we can just be with ourselves, be with the breath. And I'd like to remind you that if you find yourself not being in the present moment today, if your mind is racing to an unknown future, or if you're going back into the past, maybe trying to live in the past or not letting go of the past. Sit down or stand up and just breathe and let your breath bring you back to the present moment. We can always deal with the present moment. One breath at a time. So keep coming back to the breath. Come back to the present. May everything we do today and everything we say and everything we, thing we think be done not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of those around us and for all living beings. May we be a refuge for ourselves. May we be a refuge for others. We're looking for peace 
and kindness and love. So thank you everyone. I'll be here tomorrow.